Thank you for joining Sumter Chapel's weekly podcast. We hope that this message encourages you and speaks life to your spirit. As always, we pray that this podcast will further God's kingdom by seeing one more made new. Now, let's get started with today's message. You are constantly at war with yourself, whether you realize that or not, whether you acknowledge it or not. You are constantly at war with yourself. You are constantly in a fight for your own soul. And you're constantly in in a fight for the souls of others. And two of the greatest foes that we have in this world, both within ourselves and as we're fighting for the sake of others, for our friends and our families and for their lives, are fear and worry. Fear and worry consume us at times and are consuming our culture today. It's it's obvious how much we are afraid and how much we worry and are anxious. We, We see anxiety on the rise because worry is overcoming people. And we see depression on the rise because fear is gripping people. We, we are caught in a culture that is rapidly moving and rapidly changing, and we have no like center of gravity, no foundation on which to stand, and so we're constantly being moved, and we're constantly being pulled, and we're constantly being told that we have to have some sort of a facade, some sort of an image of being okay, as opposed to going into the weakness and into the fear and the worry and actually allowing it to drive us into a deeper relationship with God and into a deeper foundation of who Jesus is and actually drive us towards peace. The way Jesus teaches us to deal with these enemies in our world is actually to go at them, not to shy away and not to gloss over them. See, when we gloss over fear or we gloss over worry, we try to pretend like it's not there, then we actually give it the ability to do its deepest damage, to hurt us the most. It begins to eat away at us and no one else knows it's happening and it's like a cancer. And all of a sudden we wake up and we have stage four spiritual cancer because we've allowed fear and worry to eat away at our soul. And then we end up in anxiety attacks, or then we end up in such a deep depression that now suicidal thoughts have entered the picture. And our soul has been eaten away at, and we just don't even know who we are. This is the state of our culture. This is the state of many of our own lives at different times, or potentially even currently. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I can almost bet that all of us could raise our hands and either share a time or currently say we are in a time where anxiety has overtaken us or depression has overtaken us because we have allowed fear or worry to determine how we react to the world around us. We've allowed fear or worry to enter into our lives. See, it's, it's interesting. Jesus doesn't get on to his followers 
about acknowledging their fears or acknowledging their worries. He gets on to his followers about actively being afraid and actively being anxious and worried. He doesn't have a problem with us identifying those things in our life, calling them out and saying, no, this is what I'm afraid of, this is what I'm worried about. The line is when we begin to allow those things to then determine how we feel about ourselves, who we think we are, and determine our trust level in God. See, worry and fear actually should cause us to dive deeper into faith. They should, be, they should actually be the, the crucible by which our faith grows. That we say, okay, no, I am afraid of this, and yet I will have faith and continue on. Yes, I have worries about this situation, and yet I will press on and trust God in the midst of my worries. These things that we've allowed ourselves to cause us to be inactive, to freeze, in a sense, to, to pull away from God, should actually cause us to go into a relationship with God even more. The Holy Spirit's power should be at work even more in our lives in those moments, but for some reason, whether it's the enemy convincing us to run from God in those moments or blame God in those moments, or it's for some reason the church culture that has taught us that we should just hide those things or stay away from those things, or if any thought of fear or worry exists, then I don't have a real relationship with Jesus or I have a shallow relationship with Jesus. Maybe that's what you've been taught. That is wrong. It's actually wrong. Paul expresses this in his letters in the New Testament where he says, it's actually in my weakness that I am made strong by Jesus Christ. See, we've, we've traded out a lot of the times in the church a gospel which says, I need to own my weakness, I need to own my fear, I need to own my worry, and allow God to work in the midst of it, not be worrying and not be afraid, but identify those things and then allow God to come in to those things and provide strength and power that only he can provide to overcome them. We've traded in that gospel for the American pull-yourself-up-by-your-bootstraps version of, the God, of, of works-based salvation almost, or, or a version where we just put on a show. Fake it till you make it. And I know you've heard it. I heard it in my freshman orientation class. Fake it till you make it. Fake it till you make it, because if you fake it long enough, eventually you'll start doing it. It's a complete lie. It's a complete lie. I don't care what someone has told you. It's a complete lie. Jesus never taught, fake it till you make it. No. He said, identify the area you're hurting the most and allow me to come in as the great physician and heal it. The scars will still be there. You'll still have worry and fear on your doorstep, but you'll be healed and whole and have peace so that you can fight, so that you can be a warrior and fight against the schemes of Satan when he comes against you with those things. Don't fake it. Don't put on a show for people. 
No, dive in deeper into your relationship with God so that he can do a transformative work that only he can do to overcome those things in your life. And by overcoming them, it doesn't mean they go away. He does not remove you from your circumstances. He makes you strong enough to face your circumstances. He makes you the warrior to go into battle for yourself and for the sake of others, for their, your soul and for their souls. It doesn't mean you're all of a sudden not afraid. No, it's that you're actually still afraid, and yet you go to war. It's actually, you still have worries, but they don't control your behavior. You trust God in the midst of those worries. I'm going to read a passage from Joshua, and then we're going to pray. Joshua chapter 1, 13 through 15. We love to focus in Joshua chapter 1 on the be courageous part of this. And that's a great couple verses, but this follows it. This follows it where it's not God talking to Joshua, it's Joshua talking to God's people. And this is what he says to the people of God who had already acquired the land God promised them, and now he's telling them to help the rest of the people of God acquire the rest of the land. So these people that he's talking to are warriors of God, literal warriors going to war, that have already found their peace and their rest. They've already accomplished the task in their part of the land, and now God is telling them through Joshua, no, you have to finish the task, and you have to help your brothers and sisters take their land. Then you can have true rest. This is what he says, starting in verse 13. Remember what Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, The Lord your God is giving you a place of rest. He has given you this land. Your wives, children, and livestock may remain here in the land Moses assigned to you on the east side of the Jordan River, but your strong warriors, fully armed, must lead the other tribes across the Jordan to help them conquer their territory. Stay with them, until the Lord gives them rest as he has given you. And until they too possess the land, the Lord your God is giving them. Let's pray. Father, we ask, we ask, desperately ask, that you would give our souls rest and peace. That you would train us up to be warriors, to be men and women that fight for our soul's peace and soul's rest, for our soul to have a home, a place of safety in you, and that as we fight for our own soul, that then we would turn and fight alongside our brothers and sisters for their soul as well, that we would not lay down our weapons, that we would not shirk back or or. or go into ourselves being afraid of what Satan could do, but instead we would trust that you ultimately can win the victory over all things, that we can trust you to empower us to overcome the things in our life that for too long we've been told are, are, are unable to be overcome. But instead we would lean into our weaknesses, we'd lean into our fear, into our worry, and allow you from the inside out to overcome those things in us to give us a confidence in you, not in ourselves, to trust in your power and your strength and your ability to overcome these things in our lives. And we, 
We ask that you would accomplish this in our lives and in the lives of those around us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. I asked, um, or someone asked me, not too long ago, just a couple months ago, someone asked me, what are you afraid of right now? It was before I even was mentally preparing for this. I didn't realize it would be preparation for it. But They said, what are you afraid of right now in your life? And so I thought about it for a while because I wanted to give an honest response. And I said, honestly, the thing that probably makes me most afraid or that I fear most is failing my wife and my kids. So I don't think it's anything else. I don't think I'm afraid of not having enough money or I don't think I'm afraid of some sort of war coming to our country or what our politicians are doing. Or I don't think I'm afraid of, about whether people like me or not, which, which is, means I've come a long way because in my younger days I was always afraid of what people thought of me. But I, I think my greatest fear, I told them, is, is that I would fail my wife and my kids somehow. That I wouldn't be the man I need to be for them. And, and in that moment, I didn't need that person to reassure me of anything. This is the irony. I didn't need them to like pat me on the back and be like, Drew, you're such a great guy. You're going to do good. I didn't need that from them. I just needed them to remind me that God was in control. And they did. I didn't need them to build me up. It's not a lack of confidence <laughs> that I'm afraid of that. It's not because I have some lack of confidence or some sort of self-hatred or anything like that. No, I don't deal with any of that. I don't struggle with lack of confidence. I'm fine. I'm not overly confident, but I'm fine. I struggle with lack of confidence. But that's a legitimate fear. It's not trying to pretend that that fear isn't there that will help me. It's not trying to, it's not trying to act as if that isn't there with me. As I go throughout my days, it's identifying it and then not allowing it to control me. Not actively being afraid. See, Jesus, on, on multiple occasions, it's the most common phrase he repeats to his disciples is, do not be afraid. He didn't say, don't have fears. Because that would be asking them to be something they could never be, which is not human. <laughs> they couldn't all of a sudden not be human. They were human. They would have fears. He was saying, don't be afraid. Don't be actively afraid of that fear. We see this displayed. We see an overcoming of someone's fear displayed for us in Peter getting out of the boat. When we read a story of Peter walking out onto water, stormy water and not sinking, It's not that the fear of drowning was all of a sudden gone. It's that his faith and his trust in Jesus was more. He saw the storm, and he saw the water, but he was focused on Jesus instead. He wasn't unaware of the situation. He was watching it happen in front of his eyes. But in the midst of what 
could have been a controlling fear, he steps out. Now, what we see is then he becomes afraid. Then he allows the fear to control him as he looks away from Jesus into the storm, into the water, and he begins to sink in the midst of that story. And what does Jesus do? He condemns Peter, doesn't he? No. He doesn't condemn Peter. See, it's, it's wild to me that that's how we think Jesus is going to react to us when we take a leap of faith. That God is somehow going to be disappointed in us if we face our fears and we take that step out of our comfort zone into what he's calling us to do and we fail, we, may, we make a misstep in the midst of that, that somehow God's going to react in judgment or disappointment. I mean, Jesus reaches down and he helps him right back up. And yeah, he's like, next time focus on me more, Peter. <laughs> like, yeah, you got distracted. Don't be afraid next time. Just because the fear is there doesn't mean you have to react to it. You can trust me in the midst of it. Right? Jesus' teaching on worry is one of the most powerful things we see he says, why are you worrying so much? It's not that you shouldn't have a concern about where your food and your provisions are coming from. Those things are fine to be having a concern about. But why are you actively worrying about those things? Don't you know if my father provides for the birds and for the flowers, he will provide for you? Why are you allowing worry to control you? Is what Jesus teaches. There is a place of peace that we can find, that is available to us, the scriptures say, when we find our full trust and faith in Jesus Christ in the midst of our fears and our worries. In the midst of our fears and our worries. There is a land, Joshua talk, talks about, a land of rest, of peace. And that land is the presence of God. That land is the presence of God in our lives. And if our souls will find rest and peace and wholeness in a relationship with God, then we will not allow the fears and the worries of this world to control us. They'll still exist. They'll still be there. And we still have to acknowledge them. We still need to say, this is a fear. This is a worry. God, I need to trust you in the midst of it. They will not control us because we will have found our soul's home where it always belonged. And then this is the most powerful part of that in this passage in Joshua, that once we have found our soul's home, our place of rest in the midst of the battle against the enemy around us, after we've gone to war for our own soul, then we're able to turn around and go to war on behalf of others. Right? Joshua says, now that you've received your land of rest, tribes, these three, two and a half tribes that had received their land of rest, he said, that's, that's not where it stops. It's not about your land of rest. It's about all of God's people. All of God's people entering into the promised land that God has set before them. Entering into this relationship with God this full relationship with God that he always designed us to have. And so now that 
He's given you your place of rest. Go alongside your brothers and sisters. Warriors, go into battle. Lead them into battle, in fact, he says. Lead them into battle that they might acquire the land of rest that he has set before them. So here it is for us this morning. Are you, are you fighting for your own soul's peace? Or have you abdicated that fight? Are you at war? Are you at war? Are you willing to take up arms to fight for your own soul? Or have you just kind of given up? And either given up to the point where you're just trying to put on a show and pretend like everything's okay, or given up that you've just kind of gone into yourself and said, I give up. It doesn't matter which version of that, of giving up, that's happened. Are you actively fighting for your own soul? It's funny because we will fight for so many other things in our life and ignore the deepest parts of who we are, the actual core of our being. That's what the word soul means. It's the core of our being. Are you actively fighting for your own soul? This means you have to do things that allow you to be active in your relationship with God and in His presence. There has to be a rhythm and a routine and a balance about your life so that you can receive the peace that he has to offer so that you can turn around and then fight for others who need that peace as well. Because if we can admit that we are struggling with fear and worry, I have no doubt that those of us who even have an inkling of who God is and what he has to offer us, even have a taste of what the gospel looks like and what Jesus Christ has done for us, if we are struggling with it, how much more is a world that is desperately lost in understanding who they are, struggling with fear and worry? How much more is a world that's built solely upon appearance and money and acquisition of material things, struggling with fear and worry? How much more is a wor world that is that is entrusting their lives to politicians, struggling with fear and worry, as if they can solve the deepest needs in their lives. I don't care who gets to be president this year. They ain't solving the deepest needs you have in your life. They might can, they might can transform some external things that are important. We won't negate the importance of those things, but it's not the deepest parts of who you are. It's not the deepest need you have for rest and peace and wholeness. They can't do that. And so how are you fighting for your own soul? Are you, are you setting aside time in the midst of the busyness of life, in the midst of the chaos of life, in the midst of everything pulling at it? You, are you fighting against that and you're saying, no, I will trust in God alone in this moment. And so when that fear pops up or that worry pops up, you say, no, I will lean into the presence of God in this moment. I will trust in him. I will go to his word to hear from him. I will go to a brother or sister in Christ or multiple of them 
so that I can hear from him and hear what he has to say is true and not what the voices and the noise around me are saying is true. I will lean into prayer. You know, prayer is an active trusting in God because you are actively saying, okay, God, I can't handle what's going on. I need you to handle it here. It's yours. Please show up. So I will lean into prayer in this moment and in these moments. And worship, what worship really is, we've confused worship with just singing songs, but what worship is, it can involve singing songs. What it is, is actively declaring that this is who God is no matter what is going on in my life. My life can be for all purposes falling apart all around me, and yet I know what God has for me what he has in store for me, what a relationship with him means for me. You know, Joshua's word, words to the people in the Old Testament were powerful because it's not that they had it figured out. They had not even won the battle yet. All of their greatest battles were still ahead of them. Read along with us during this series. Read these passages in Joshua. You're going to see all of the greatest battles that Israel had to face were still ahead of them when he made this statement. They had yet to face Jericho. They had yet to face their toughest challenges, and yet God, through Joshua, said, go into battle, knowing what they were going to have to face. Go into battle and take the land that I'm giving you. God said that with full confidence. So what is it in your life, what fear, what worry is God calling you to go into battle and allow him to take, to overcome, to bring peace in the midst of that thing? And then are you willing to fight alongside others to do the same? Are you willing to band together with a few others, with a handful of others, to fight alongside one another for the sake of their peace and your peace and the the sake ultimately of the peace of those who live in this community, for the souls of this community. Are we willing to go to battle for our own souls and for the souls of others?